This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to By the Book. I'm Lee Chui Lin, and joining me, as always, is uh, my fellow enthusiast of Malaysian literature in all its forms and languages, Shamila Ganesan. Hello. And uh, we have with us today a special guest. Um, this is, of course, airing on the week before Chinese New Year. So we thought it was appropriate on our show to celebrate Malaysian Chinese literature. Uh, so joining us to do that is Dr. Florence Quack, Senior Lecturer at the Chinese Studies Department at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences in University Malaya. Florence, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Hello. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. So uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I thought we could start with your own interests uh, as a reader, scholar, researcher. Uh, what led you to Malaysian and Chinese literature? Yeah, interesting question. Um, Actually, my PhD uh, was not on Malaysian Chinese literature. I was looking out and I don't know, sometimes, you know, Malaysian, we always think we are small or whatever, we are looking out. However, when I was in China attending a conference, um, the Chinese scholars there said, why don't you do something on Malaysian Chinese literature? You know, we want to know more about it. And uh, before long, it was still during my candidacy as a doctoral student, uh, Korean, <laughs> a Korean journal uh, editor said, hey, can you write something about Malaysian Chinese literature? And then um, and uh, not long ago, I, I was also invited uh, to give a series of lectures on Malaysian Chinese literature. So actually, our brand is out there. And... Um, now that I have joined Chinese Studies Department, I'm asked to, yeah, I mean, start lecturing on Malaysian Chinese literature, translation of it, and so on next semester. So it looks like I couldn't get away from this anymore. But I'm quite, uh, um, it also opened my eyes to, to look back. It's like, actually, we are out there. People know about it. And uh, what are we writing? And I'm sure that I, I need to, be there already introducing and promoting Malaysian Chinese literature, not only uh, to our mm, Chinese language re readers, but also uh, in our multicultural uh, site, uh, I mean, community context, uh, the non-Chinese readers, because uh, translations are out there, even though, uh, even though not a lot, yeah. So actually, that's exactly it, right? Even though Mahua literature um, or Malaysian Chinese literature has quite a large presence, it remains relatively unknown, even within the Malaysian context. Could you explain the origins of Mahua literature and what makes it distinct? Actually, uh, when it started, it's like what people thought it is. It's a diasporic uh, literature from China, where uh, they were the early days... Um, newspaper as early as the 1920s or whatever, uh, Le Pao and uh, even Xinju and that those days, but it's an early version and that is a Xin Guo Ming Re Pao and things like that. Those archives are available in NUS. But uh, those uh, teams and writers are from China or uh, China Chinese writers uh, in so-called Nanyang at that time. Nanyang referred to uh, the southern coastal area that is Southeast Asia, uh, predominantly uh, Malaya, Singapore at that time. Um, however, uh, as I look back uh, of my own writings uh, and notes, uh, 1934, we already have uh, Chiu Shizhen who talk about um, his thoughts uh, uh, about uh, Malayan uh, literature. 
And uh, this was available by uh, the scholars later, you know, discovering all the uh, old writings in those newspapers those days. And in 1947, Jing Zimang already talked about the characteristics that uh, people in this region should be writing. He's saying, we are not the peripheral. Okay, we should, we have our own social issues. We should write local things. And uh, writers from China are not suitable to write for us. And I was like very amazed. And this is way before our independence, you know, in the 40s. Um, and uh, sure enough, uh, at the time of uh, independence, uh, in the fifties, you find so many patriotic uh, themes uh, write, writing, and of course, uh, going through the uh, recent decades, you know, uh, the, the NEP did uh, have a little bit of impact uh, the uh, the policy, you know, language policy, and so the Mahua writers uh, who are writing in Chinese, thinking, where are we now? <laughs> who are we writing for? But we should still be writing. And so in the 80s, even though people are a little bit silent about uh, those sensitive, you know, uh, topics, but uh, people are writing. And uh, um, a lot of associations, uh, newspapers are coming up and offer uh, all these uh, literary awards. And uh, a big one will be by the Xinjiu Zippo called Hua Zhong. Uh, literally, it's... Uh, translated as probably flora trail, you know, fl flower, you know, flora trail, hua zhong, and uh, it's so big. But one thing quite interesting is it's also writers writing in Chinese globally wise. So some years uh, it's China, some years uh, the award winners will be uh, in America, you know, in the States and so on. Um, but uh, looking back, uh, here the genre is uh, already very rich and uh, wisely translator will be short story that is referring to Malay all right um because uh, the Dewan Basudan Pustaka had been trying to promote yeah and acknowledge you know uh Chinese writers but uh through the translation however uh, it ended uh I mean uh, the effort uh kind of ceased 20 years ago maybe in the uh, early 2000 yeah so after that um, the attention turned to translation of the mainland China classics. And so Malaysian Chinese literature, uh, you know, like uh, go to the site. Like, and this has something to do with the One Belt, One Road and things like that. I'm not saying it's not good, but uh, where are we now? So uh, according to the research by uh, Associate Professor Go Sanxiong, uh, USM, within these 20 years, probably only five <laughs> Malaysian Chinese literature got uh, translated into BM in either Dewan Sastra or somewhere, you know, and it's very pathetic. And so a uh, few years ago, uh, Malay uh, literary uh, laureate, Sheikh Muhammad Zakir, uh, is the son of uh, Othman Kelantan. <laughs> he invited me to uh, venture with him uh, the translation of uh, Malaysian Chinese literature. And he said, let's start with short story again. So I, I worked with him and we put together uh, the selected um, author's uh, work, Tan Chen Sing, who represents his generation, you know, our more like patriot generation who is still active today. Um, Kim Chu, who represents uh, those who resided in Taiwan but still writing Malaysian Chinese, I mean Malaysian themes. And then um, the famous uh, two female writers, Ho Sok Pung, 
uh, Lake Like a Mirror was uh, translated and uh, garnered uh, English fan for translation 2019 and shortlisted for Warwick uh, uh, Translation Award for Female Translator uh, 2020. Now the more famous one at this point is Li Zhu. I think she's married to an American, so right now residing in the uh, U.S. Farewell to the Good Years, something like that. I was translated. Uh, it's a this is a novel, yeah. Uh, so, um, and uh, some Mahua uh, writers are attempting a novel again, uh, given the attention uh, and the readership uh, um, to 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 their work. Uh, even uh, even our younger uh, writers like Gong Wan Hui, he is a, a very good uh, illustrator and uh, very good in a short story, but uh, he also tried uh, this uh, Ririka and AI girl. And uh, this is also very hot in the market right now. Back to Li Zhu, her Liu Su Ti. This was the one. Uh, there's no translation yet. I will translate it as the Valley of the Mundane. <laughs> you know, actually it's talk about like the Kinta Valley. But it's different from Tash Ao version. Tash Ao was uh, the, the British colonial time, but this is uh, in the 70s and uh, way until today. You know, the normal people, uh, yeah. Moving forward, uh, there will be more translation. English, uh, yeah, we have Ho Sok Fung, we have Li Zhu Shu, and, uh, and I heard of uh, Hai Fan, uh, but currently he's residing in Singapore already. Uh, he has one um, kelaparan yang lazat, uh, the delicious hunger. <laughs> as a, a leftist uh, member, a former, former. Okay, so uh, he published uh, his life in the jungle. You know, like uh, translated into English by uh, Jeremy Tiang, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, famous uh, translator. And um, I think before we take a break, I wanted to ask you, so we, we've established what Mahua is, um, what, what it defines, who works within the field. But um, within that then, are there shared themes or preoccupations that we see in this tradition or among writers working in this area? The themes that pick up very well, you know, are the tropical themes. <laughs> yeah, especially our Borneo. And uh, I think uh, there are other Anglophone writers who write about it also, right? Um, uh, females, <laughs> yeah, females team, uh, very welcome. There are some attention to our leftist writing. Uh, pay attention, the leftist writing is not about the ideology at all. It's about, about the people who suffer. One gener- we lost one generation, you know, to, to that. And these are people who actually love the land, but at that time, they believe, you know, like uh, maybe communism can help them shoo away the colonial, you know, government and whatever. So that's why they keep their life and then um, lead to their not having their family together, things like that. So those are the writing of the people. Right? So these are probably the themes, you know, uh, permeating Mahua. But uh, people are looking everywhere. And now the younger ones are talking about digital Mahua because, uh, yeah, um, the younger ones are studying everywhere in the world and they feel like, there must be some digital platform for poets and people like that. And we already have our first uh, sound poetry magazine, digital <laughs> ones, yeah. 
We're speaking today with Dr. Florence Quack, Senior Lecturer at the Chinese Studies Department at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences in University of Malaya. And what we're exploring is Mahua literature, uh, what the tradition is, uh, where it's going. We're going to continue our conversation after this. We'd like to hear from you, though. Do you read Mahua literature? Do you read Mahua writers? Um, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Business. Finance. And music, BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Buy the Book with Lynn and Sharmila. And our guest today, Dr. Florence Quek, who is a senior lecturer at the Chinese Studies Department at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences in University Malaya. So, Florence, I think we started off our interview really by laying the ground of what exactly Mahua is, who's working in this field today, what the themes are. Um, and, of course, you mentioned earlier the comparison um, between Mahua literature and mainland classical Chinese traditions or, you know, in general, literature coming out of mainland China. Uh, do literatures like Mahua end up being, I guess, subsumed by the larger tradition or presence of Chinese literature? Where does it sit as a form of diasporic writing? Actually, that's a very good question that you have picked up. <laughs> we probably started out as a diasporic literature, but after that, we are not. We are a brand of our own as a, a scholar Ellison group uh, Coined it, we are Sinophone literature not made in China. And I think this is a title of an uh, article or book also. Um, what happened is actually, um, even before the independence in the 30s, 40s, there are already uh, writers, uh, I mean, uh, Mahua writers, Malayan Chinese lit uh, literary writers at that time, thinking that we have to write local themes, okay? Uh, uh, at that time, they are going for the realism, like uh, anti-pornography, <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, um, anti-prostitution and this and that. Um, and uh, they are also uh, some very interesting, um, which uh, I took note of. Uh, he also write about, because uh, uh, China was in war and... Uh, you know, uh, being a, a Chinese diaspora at that time in the Malayan and Singapore, people raise funds. You know, like uh, try to send back money for China to 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 buy to store up weaponry, whatever to fight. You know, um, uh, white ants. Uh, this uh, this short story was, uh, in fact, it was uh, uh, a critical one. Uh, against people who, you know, uh, actually wanted money rather than for for a right cause, you know, like uh, they sell this and that uh, in the name of uh, uh, fundraising, but actually is to um, get their money uh, illegally. Um, so they are already uh, write things like that, and they are write things about uh, identity card. You know how difficult it is to turn my red IC into blue that time. Um, so it's already a local team, and after in Independence, nineteen fifty-seven, we are Malaysia. <laughs> okay, the uh, the Chinese in Malaysia have to choose, you know, like uh, your nationality. So, um, so actually, it's a Malayan, a Malaysian Chinese literature. No longer a uh, 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 literature that is subservient and is serving any in. Uh, uh, you, you know, like a China interest in that sense. However, because of the language policy 
and the NEP, you know, there is some setback, you know, um, socially, you know, uh, and emotionally. So uh, in the 1970s, there is a kind of uh, cultural response in a way that the writers are looking into Chinese symbols. It's not China symbols, but Chinese symbols like dragon, uh, like a certain uh, patriotic poets, you know, uh, as their symbols, like Qi Yan, okay, uh, the one that we uh, have Ba Zhang and all those, you know, uh, and then, um, yeah, so uh, all these dragons, uh, all these dragons is crying, <laughs> the wailing of uh, dragons, uh, for thousand miles, for example, Long Ku Chen, uh, poetry like that, it's not about China or the Great Wall of China, it's about uh, the sentiment, the Chinese sentiment, which is primordially cultural, okay, and hardly political. But that kind of uh, writings might be misread and interpreted, you know, by some people. However, in the uh, 80s, as I say, people are writing about environment, uh, ecological, everything else. And that's also the influence from the West as well. In the 1990s, uh, we actually have a peer, uh, I mean, a new phase, which I will name it as uh, ideological desinization, uh, because um, we have uh, scholars who, uh, I mean, among the Chinese scholars, who came out with this uh, whining theory, like the baby who whined from, you know, getting milk. Um, and um, uh, Professor T. Kim Tong uh, even have this concept, uh, like this is taking, taken from, uh, I think, the, mess, um, the media and communication study, like polysystem concept about where our Malaysian Chinese literature sits, you know, like uh, things like that. So from there, it's very clear, actually. Uh, of course, you will see uh, Chinese nurse in, uh, in terms of uh, cultural element in the writing and some reference to the uh, classics or whatever. However, it's not a diasporic literature. We are Malaysian Chinese literature. You know, like uh, I have some uh, students from Mainlander right now in the Chinese department UM. And uh, there was one who said uh, Malaysian Chinese literature is a third world country literature. I'm like, come on. We never see ourselves as a third world <laughs> country literature. Okay, we never. And you can... Yeah, you can find all the comments in Harvard or Cambridge and everywhere else. Uh, we are referred as Malaysian Chinese literature. That's our brand at this point. <laughs> so then locally, what are some of the main challenges in positioning Mahua literature as part of Malaysian literature? Uh, language policy. <laughs> and uh, every time, you know, like uh, when there's announcement of Malaysian National Literary Laureate and our Mahmoudichi, our writers will be saying, hmm, where are we, you know, where are we represented? Well, um, uh, we have to acknowledge that, uh, yeah, uh, Malay language is the national language, but uh, we also appreciate that, uh, you know, uh, Chinese, uh, Tamil and other languages, uh, English are, can be used, you know, uh, socially, even for education, but it will be, um, I think it's essential that uh, at some point we will be uh, recognized uh, somehow, you know, uh, in the fabric of our uh, society in literature, right? And uh, I think some government has done that in Sarawak, uh, and even since Lengor, they are 
categories just for uh, different language uh, to to uh, to compete for the awards. Uh, and I have friends who uh, who garner those uh, those awards, and I think those are good one uh, good initiatives. So. We talked about translation earlier, um, and mm-hmm. I wanted to expand that a little bit. Uh, could you briefly talk to us about the translation scene in our country? I, I guess both in terms of translating Mahua literature to um, English and Malay, but also to other Malaysian languages so that it can achieve a, rider, a wider readership. Yeah. Like Tamil, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, there was a very good one, uh, 2021, I think, end of 2021 by Japan Foundation. Um, yeah, um, and that project, uh, when they approached me, they're like, oh, we need uh, this Li Tzu Su's uh, short story. Uh, I think that ch- uh, story was about close, closure, permanently closure of a shop or whatever, but, you know, like, so uh, we need to translate to English, Malay, and Tamil. I'm like, okay, English, Malay, I have friends, but Tamil. Okay, uh, at that time, I didn't know, um, you know, the Indian studies uh, friends, so I'm like, uh, a bit difficult. But uh, I went to the website and uh, I saw that they managed to get someone, not the full translation, but just a passage. Uh, I mean, a, a selected passage in a recital. And I'm like, wow. I mean, uh, the Japan Foundation put such importance on it and we locally, are we going to do anything um and uh when i came in it was to my uh, delights that in uh, a few months ago um august 2022 one of my uh, colleagues in the english department he got an a grant to work on uh, uh anglophone sinophone and tamil right <laughs> you know like uh and uh and uh, that project i i I really uh, look forward to it, and we already got a postgrad uh, student, you know, uh, signing up to be the re- research uh, assistant and working along that line. And I think this uh, underexplored research area and uh, topic of concerns, uh, which I uh, welcome it happening. So overall, would you say there is a growing interest in Mahua literature locally, and what's being done to encourage that? Well, uh, I would give. A- a little bit of credit to the newspaper um, because uh, Brita Harian uh, also plays importance in that. Um, there was once uh, I was invited to as a, a panelist in Pakata uh, Pengarang Kata Pengbacha for my friend uh, Hafiza Iza Hanit, you know, for her award-winning book. Uh, and that book uh, touched very uh, sensitively on, uh, you know, our the pluralization of... Uh, different language group, you know. Locally and the media people are also acknowledging we need to come together as Malaysians, you know. We need to acknowledge that uh, there are diversity, but we need to have unity to build our economy, build the nation. And even our writers are are very concerned and writing uh, towards that goal. Um, and I want to thank Georgetown Literature Festival to 2019. There was a... a panel on uh, Mandarin and Melayu uh, and uh, during that time uh, we only recite uh, some Chinese words and uh, but we, we, we introduce the work out and uh, but recently we have uh, different languages you know the Tamil uh, panels we have the Chinese panels which I think is good and uh, just to 
give you one team. Uh, that team uh, is about Pata Ballet. 1970, Li Yongping, okay, Li Yongping is one of the patriot, uh, highly, <laughs> you know, uh, acknowledged in among the Malaysian uh, Chinese uh, uh, literature, uh, literary field, even in Taiwan. He wrote about Kampong di Belenggu, something like that. Okay, uh, then uh, it was like uh, what happened was there was an upheaval, uprising by the uh, diets against uh, some community, the Chinese community, and Apao, and the mother was running away uh, in a uh, in a canoe, <laughs> you know, like. But uh, I don't know why uh, it was so difficult for them to, you know, kayo kayo. Uh, and uh, what happened is uh, uh, the descriptions seems like they almost cannot proceed and uh, uh, up I was asking ma um where are we heading to the north that means if we uh kayo all the way you know pedal all the way are we going to be end up in China mother didn't answer and then however it was so difficult um that later as if uh mother and son has the same thoughts it's like then mother said Apa, why not we just turn back? Apa kata kita patah balik? So there's uh, some symbolism there. And then um, this 1970 work got picked up in another almost similar title but uh, different themes, uh, I mean uh, different writings by Ting Yin. Okay, uh, he wrote about, uh, that one is Kampong Di Kena Belenggu. Okay, this was about the May 13. Okay, May 13. Uh, a Chinese family was uh, running away from uh, the kampong. Halfway, the father, the elderly man said, no, 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 we have to turn back. Why? Because my chanko is uh, uh, at home. I need a chanko. Why you need a chanko? <laughs> because they are farmers. You know, like, uh, so I didn't get my chanko. The attachment to the land is there. So they got back. But in the end of the day, uh, uh, it was a happy ending. Lah. Actually, some some people show up at the their door. They were hiding under the table. <laughs> okay, actually, it's a neighbor, Ahmad or Ali or whoever, asking, "Why can can you share some cup uh, ubi for with us? Uh, we are so hungry." You know, <laughs> everyone is suffering. The people are suffering. Uh, regardless of uh, skin color, you know, it's not like who against who. Yeah, so the theme of Pata Ballet also surfaced, you know, uh, where uh, the there was very clear uh, identity choice, you know, I, uh, identification with this land, Malaysia, okay, as uh, our country and the land we were work on. Florence, uh, before we head to footnotes, uh, for which you're sticking around, thank you. Um, what are you currently working on? Currently, um, I completed this uh, translation uh, trans, uh, translation of anthology Chirpin Sastra Mahua, the anthology of uh, uh, Mahua literature short stories. This is from Chinese to Malay, right? Uh, selected uh, seven, seven uh, writers. And uh, this year, 2023, uh, I'm working on the Chinese translation of <laughs> uh, six uh, Malay Chirpin, yeah, uh, including uh, Datuk Anwar Rizwan and uh, a few 
uh, a few trending Malay uh, short story writers. Yeah, and to introduce uh, this to the chi uh, Chinese reading uh, community, we believe uh, we are tiny effort, <laughs> but uh, we are hoping these are uh, like uh, ripple effects. You know, like uh, people tell people, and they are more understanding. Yeah, of this. Uh, so this is uh, one of the efforts that I'm looking, uh, I'm working on. Then uh, the Chinese department uh, collaborate with uh, Chinese uh, Malaysian Chinese Writers Association. We are going to have a Sastra Melayu class in our Chinese studies department. <laughs> and um, guess what? Uh, we have, I think, close to 70 sign up. Half are Malay students. <laughs> yeah, half are... Yeah, Chinese, uh, whoever, you know, like uh, uh, public people and students. And we are going to uh, learn how to write <laughs> Malay literature. And hopefully, you know, uh, whatever the outcome uh, is uh, something I really look forward to this uh, year. Florence, thank you so much for that. Um, we are speaking today with Dr. Florence Quack, Senior Lecturer at the Chinese Studies Department at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences in University of Malaya. She's going to be joining us after this for footnotes. Uh, in the meantime, though, we want to hear from you. Do you read Mahua literature? Do you have recommendations you want to share? Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, and write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. <music> That brings us to footnotes. So we've got a short one. Um, Florence, thanks for sticking around. We, You mentioned, I think, a few recommendations. Uh, we just want to formalise it. So if you were to make a, um, a five-minute reading list, let's say, for someone who's interested in starting out, trying out um, reading Mahua literature, who would those writers be? What would those books be? Actually, uh, it doesn't hurt to start with uh, an Anglophone too, like the Harmonistic Factory by Tash Ao, <laughs> even though uh, it is um, not exactly Mahua, it's uh, Anglophone writers, uh, but uh, we are writing the same themes. And from that, you can see some faces of, of uh, the presence of uh, Chinese in the land. Then there was one anthology, a little bit uh, dated. Uh, it was forwarded by Dr. Han Su Ying <laughs> yeah? in 1960s, an anthology of uh, Chinese uh, short stories, and I think it's available everywhere in every public library. And um, more recent... Sorry, one, Florence, what was that anthology called, may I ask? An anthology of modern Malaysian Chinese stories forwarded by Han Suying. And uh, those were the early days ones, uh, but it has about the two friends, the love nest, someone's secret, Orang Lari, and things like that. Uh, talking about general and so on, because those are the earlier ones. Uh, they still write a little bit, you know, on the colonial and whatever. Uh, but then for the, uh, I have two already. So so the uh, more recent one, Ho Sok Fong's uh, award-winning, like like a mirror. This is a must-read to me. And there are some, like, uh, I think uh, by Zhang Gui Xing, My South Seas Sleeping Beauty by Zhang Gui Xing. Uh, Zhang Pei Xing and Li Zi Su, they are the uh, award winners of uh, grand prize, you know, Mahua uh, literature. 
And uh, coming next will be Li Zizu. This one uh, is a little bit serious one. It starts from page 153. And you're like, where are the beginning? <laughs> 152 pages is not there. Uh, the Age of Goodbyes. There are some available online if you want to download, uh, like uh, Li Zizu. Uh, Li Zizu has the northern border and Ho Sukong has the wall. Um, the wall. Uh, these are available online, like a single short story. And just now, the Japan Foundation, if you were to type Li Zizu, L-I-Z-I-S-H-U, and you type Japan Foundation, immediately uh, it will bring you to that uh, web page and you can download PDF in Chinese, English, and uh, you can listen to the recital in four languages. They have Malay and Tamil too to the story. And uh, it's quite a nice reading. Florence, uh, thank you so much for being so generous uh, with your knowledge and your recommendations today. Thank you. <laughs> We've been speaking. Happy reading. Thank you. Um, I've already got a number from your recommendations that I'm adding to my reading list. Thank you. <laughs> We've been speaking today with Dr. Florence Quek, Senior Lecturer at the Chinese Studies Department at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences in University Malaya. Um, the body of our interview was all about Mahua literature. In footnotes, we've been talking recommendations specifically. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Do you read Mahua writing? Um, do you have recommendations you want to share? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.